Hi, and welcome back to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and welcome to a review episode for Nocturnal Animals. Uh, This is the newest film from the director Tom Ford, who is not really a director. You know, this is his second feature. And, you know, he's much more well-known as a fashion designer, I think. Uh, You know, he's famously associated with Gucci and has been with them for, or was with them from, like, 1990 to, like, the mid-2000s. And, uh, you know, then after that, started his own clothing line. But he directed a film called A Single Man uh, back in, I want to say, 2009. Yes, in 2009, which received a lot of critical acclaim. It garnered uh, Oscar nominations uh, or, yes, one nomination for Colin Firth uh, for leading actor. And now he has come out with his second feature, Nocturnal Animals, starring Amy Adams and Aaron Taylor Johnson, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Shannon, uh, Isla Fisher, and Army Hammer. I saw this movie Sunday, and for the life of me, I was asked multiple times by people at work and here at home what I thought about the movie. And my, my response was, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a very dense movie, but I don't, I only think it's dense if you make it dense. I think there's a lot of surface level takeaways that you can have from it. And there's certainly, it's certainly visually stimulating. It's got an engaging story, but I I kept feeling like there were, there were a lot more layers left to be peeled away before I could truly understand not only the film itself, but my own personal reaction and response to it. And so I just, I wasn't sure whether or not I liked it. I kept, I I, I kept thinking about it. You know, it was on my mind all night. It was on my mind, you know, the next day, the day after that. And now i finally felt confident enough and and far enough removed from it to feel as though i could really evaluate my feelings on the film and 
you know that even even that being said i still feel as though the more time that passes you know by the time we get to the academy awards you know whether or not this gets any nominations remains to be seen uh you know there are some people predicting some some screenplay credits uh you know i i could definitely see that i i like the screenplay i doubt the technical side of things gets a look for this uh you know uh, aaron taylor johnson's performance has been lauded and i think he's good but i don't i don't think he's quite good enough for for an oscar nomination so if if the film has any role in the oscars i'm sure it'll come up again in a month or two and maybe by then my feelings will have matured even further but speaking only for right now i found the film to be a little too heady for its own good and what i mean by that is the film and so there's not going to be any like major spoilers as far as plot is concerned but i'm going to uh, spoil the the structure of the film so if you really want to go in blind you're probably better off just going in blind because I don't think there's anything I'm going to tell you that's going to push you one way or the other uh, as to whether or not you should see the film you know I'm kind of just flabbergasted by the whole thing but anyway the, the structure of the film breaks down like this you've got Amy Adams who runs an art gallery. She is married to Army Hammer. They have a strained marriage. And one day she receives a package in the mail from her ex-husband, Jake Gyllenhaal. And it's a book. And he's a writer. And this is a book that he has written. And she starts to read it. And as soon as she starts to read it, we're shown the events of the book on the screen. And we're shown this plot of the book as a secondary narrative line where a father, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and his wife, Isla Fisher, and their daughter are uh, attacked on a highway in West Texas by this crazy local douchebag played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. So we've got these two competing narratives. And then that I think would be fine. And you'd be drawing comparisons between the two of them, which there are. And you'd be noting the the, the similarities and contrasts that they afford each other which there are many. Except then the film throws in a third narrative, which is a flashback of real life where Amy Adams is in, I want to say, grad school, and she meets Jake Gyllenhaal, yes, the same actor, playing uh, her ex-husband. So this is the story of Gyllenhaal and Adams meeting, falling in love, being married, and their lives, you know, 
17 years, I want to say, before the present day narrative between Adams and Army Hammer, where she's actually reading the book that Gyllenhaal wrote, which we're also seeing starring Gyllenhaal again, although he looks older, with Isla Fisher. So now we've got these three competing narratives, and the addition of a third narrative is what muddles everything, because now it's putting you in a position where it's not just that you're comparing one storyline to another, you're comparing three storylines against each other, and I don't think the writing or the direction is competent and skilled enough for all three of them to be compared against each other simultaneously all the time. I think that that would be asking a lot of anybody and that it is really, really difficult to pull off. Especially, you know, it's, it's one thing when you're dealing with a story that's broken up into three parts, something like Moonlight, because we're not being intercut with the three stages of Sharon's life simultaneously. We see one stage, then another, then another. And the way that this film is constructed, you can't really do that because they each, because it's not as though one narrative leads into another one. You know, you could say that you could put the Jake Gyllenhaal, Amy Adams segments in the beginning and then the Amy Adams army hammer segments in the middle and then the book at the end like that'd be the only that'd be the way i would do it if i had to do it that way but i don't think that that's a viable option and so what you're left with is sometimes you've got comparisons between present timeline and the past timeline sometimes you've got comparisons between the present timeline and the book timeline sometimes you've got comparisons between the past timeline and the book timeline and so you're constantly trying to figure out, okay, so if Jake Gyllenhaal is doing this in the past, how is that being reflected in the book he wrote in the present? And is it also impacting Amy Adams' character in the present? And is that in turn affecting her reading of the book? In the pr and so, you know, you've got these constant lines that you're drawing trying to connect all of these dots and the film I don't think gives you enough you know material enough enough ink in your pen to make all these dots connect you can make a lot of them connect and you know some are a lot more obvious than others but there are a lot of stray dots here and there that feel like they connect or you know, look like they connect or are very visually similar to something you've seen in a different narrative, but you either don't have enough time to consider how they actually connect while you're watching it, or you can't, you know, or, you know, they're skipped over too quickly, or they're, you know, you're the, t or maybe it is, it's the fact that, you know, you've got a big moment in the past storyline that's actually connecting to the present storyline but the scene that you see after 
that moment is a scene from the book storyline. And so by the time you get back to the present, you've lost that thread. And I don't know if there's a way to fix that, you know, maybe it would have to be someone much more skilled than I am at, at screen screenwriting and directing. And I think Tom Ford is incredibly gifted at this. You know, the film looks beautiful. His direction is good. The writing is good. But for something of this magnitude, I think that it can, that good just is not enough. You need someone great. You know, I think... You'd, I think you'd have to have someone of like a Stanley Kubrick caliber level or a Martin Scorsese or you know maybe a Christopher Nolan could could pull this off. I don't think Tom Ford is at that level yet. And that it it kind of for me anyway lets the wind out lets the air out of the the sails a little bit. And that's not to say that I don't like the movie, because I do like the movie. I think each narrative on their own is compelling and interesting. I think that the connections that I could make to the between them were potent and improved upon the overall quality of the story. You know, I, I particularly would loud the performances. You know, Amy Adams, I don't think... She's given too much to do, you know, she's only in, she's in two of the three storylines, and yet her performance is very tiny. You know, she's get, she gets a lot of reaction shots while she's reading the book, a lot of, you know, the, the few interactions she has with other characters are minimal, considering how much screen time she's actually getting, and they also seem to be a little <sighs> she's very understated particularly when you compare her to the majority of the other performances you've got Jake Gyllenhaal who plays two different characters and has the specter of presence in the third narrative and his his role in the past storyline is just he's just the most charming nicest guy he's you know just a, just a really good person who is driven and wants to be a writer and you know he and amy adams fall in love and he's that guy that you just look at and you're like yeah he's the one he's that guy that you want to marry he's the one you want to spend your life with and then you've got his role in the story timeline where it's much different. He's a much... In, in some ways, he feels as though he's simply the past character he's playing 15 years later. But he's a complete, he, he is a different person and he's one that undergoes this incredible tragedy this awful circumstance and learn and matures is not exactly the right word but he, he he grows in a particular direction due to what happens to him and his family and 
Gyllenhaal plays this really well. You know, he he definitely can, can conveys two different sides of a person because his character from the past never undergoes the same changes, doesn't have that same growth that the character in the story book does. And so they do feel as though they're characters that have grown up. Uh, it does feel as though he's kind of playing the same character at different stages in their life. But at the same time, there's definitely a lot of distinctions there. And, and Gyllenhaal is definitely adept at, at making those distinctions felt. Then... Pretty much everyone else is relegated to a single storyline. So you're looking at someone like Michael Shannon, who I thought was fantastic. Uh, you know, one of my favorite roles I've seen him in in a long time. You know, since maybe since Take Shelter, perhaps. You've got Aaron Taylor Johnson in probably his best role to date. With, mm, I'm trying to think. You know, I guess his, his closest, close, only thing I'd really otherwise put in the conversation would be Kick-Ass, I guess. Or, uh, oh, I think he was in one of those, like, Jane Austen. Uh, let me see. Uh, he was in, not Pride and Prejudice. It was, was it Pride and Prejudice? Um, 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 oh, damn it. Anna Karenina is what I was thinking of. But, I, you know, he was fine in that, but it wasn't great. So, you know, he's, yeah, you know, I think between Kick-Ass and this, these those are his two best roles. And I think I'd give the slight edge to Kick-Ass simply because I think his role in Kick-Ass as the lead, you know, anchoring the entire film, is more challenging. This role that he plays in Nocturnal Animals kind of feels like it's much less dimensional. It's very flat. I don't think there's as much depth there. But, the, but what dimensions the character does have, he gives incredible vibrance to is vibrance a word he he really makes them feel come a lot makes the character come alive and then you've got sticking to that same storyline isla fisher who doesn't have a lot of screen time but she plays a very compelling opposite to the jake gyllenhaal character that she's married to you know while he's trying to get out of the circumstance that they find themselves in with his words by acquiescing to the situation by you know making trying to make everyone feel good trying to make everyone happy with what's happening she's you know you first see her and she's like just this motherly figure she doesn't there's nothing terribly notable about her and then when things start to get bad she 
gets goes into panic mode. She's she recognizes the situation for what it is and is able to accurately assess what is happening without really but but the problem is she doesn't have the capability to remedy what's going on and Jake Gyllenhaal sitting there presumably with that capability but the inability to recognize just what is happening and why these things are playing out the way that they're playing out then moving back to the present day storyline you've got army hammer who again is in a very small role but does well with you know i i other outside of the social network i felt like he's really let down anybody who was a fan of his you know he was fine in man from uncle but you know the lone ranger was pretty bad and so it was nice to see him even though he's in a quite a small role, he he shows that he does have some talent in this one, and I don't know if he'll ever be able to parlay that back into a leading role again, like he had in. Um, da, da, I just said it. Uh, wow, my mind just went completely blank. The Lone Ranger. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he'll ever get role like that again but i do think that he could find a lot of success in a in a much smaller capacity like he does in this there's also jenna malone is in a scene or two she's like really feels like she's in a different movie from everyone else and looking at she amy adams goes to a party there's michael sheen has a character there who's Okay, you know, nobody really in the present storyline is... And the present storyline is so insignificant for the most part compared to the rest of the story, the rest of the film. Up, you know, everything that happens to Amy Adams' character outside of her reading the book is kind of irrelevant, I felt. And it's not that it's... You know, I like that they're showing the sides of Amy Adams' character and giving us a, a taste of like what her life has become without Jake Gyllenhaal in it. But at the end of the day, I felt as though all of these things that were happening just were so inconsequential. And then looking at the past storyline, the only other big character in that is uh, Laura Linney, who crushes it as Amy Adams' mom. She does a great job in her one scene at dinner where she basically tells Amy Adams that Jake Gyllenhaal is a pansy and not right for her. So there's a lot, so like I've said, there's a lot of different dynamics at play, a lot of angles that the film can take, a lot of directions to go, a lot of comparisons and connections to be made, a lot of dots, a lot of lines. But the film the reach exceeds the grasp and it doesn't ruin the movie i still think it's a good movie but it definitely makes it feel a little disjointed makes it feel uneven and the the i think the problem is that 
the narrative from the book is so much more compelling than either of the other two narratives that it diminishes their impact on the viewer. And I think that's ultimately my biggest issue with the movie. So, yeah, again, good movie falls short of anything more than that. I don't know, you know, I don't really see it getting a lot of awards consideration, maybe a screenplay nod, but outside of that, I'd be a little surprised to see it show up anywhere else. It really does feel like... um, It, I, you know, I think it just, if it, it was a little bit more successful in its interweaving of narratives, I think it could have been a huge contender, but I do think that it will ultimately fall short. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't really have too much more to say about the, the film, without going to spoilers and I don't there's a lot that happens I don't really feel I don't feel like going into spoilers is going to improve upon the the review of it and I think if you haven't seen the movie you're much better off just going to see it it will confound you at times but it is definitely an entertaining watch for sure. On the other hand, if you have seen the movie already, I I don't think there's anything more I could say adding specifics to the to to what I'm talking about. You know, I don't yes, the the events that take place in the past or, or in the story are horrific, but you don't need to know the specifics of them. Uh, it's just... yeah. So that's 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 where I, that's where I'm gonna leave it. I think that's good. I, I I'm glad to see Michael Shannon. Yeah, I feel like he's in everything. You know, Midnight Special, Loving, this. I feel like there was one more movie he was in this year. But it's not coming to mind. And his role in this, you know, he plays this gravel-voiced sheriff-type police officer detective. And, you know, I just, I really loved him in that role. You know, he, he gives off this vibe that you see in a lot of police, uh, authority characters of not believing a word you're saying. He's just like, yeah, okay, we'll do it that way. And then you, you get this kind of like nonchalant attitude from him, except he does care. You know, he does take what you're saying to heart. He is listening to you. He is understanding what you're saying. And he is reacting accordingly, but his just his tone, his overall body language 
it communicates something completely different, which I was just like mesmerized by. So that's so that's my final thought. Uh, I don't remember the precise number I gave it. I think it was a sixty-five. So you know, good movie, but nothing special too special nothing i'm gonna write home about so that's kind of where i end up with nocturnal animals so we've stepped down from miss sloan from yesterday and tomorrow i will be showing my or uh tomorrow will be the review of manchester by the sea uh, which was a film i was very excited to go see and hopefully, the day after that, I will be able to put up my uh, review of Rogue One. I am fingers crossed, fingers crossed, going to be able to see it tomorrow night. I'm just really hoping that I, I don't run afoul of a sold-out show. That is a constant concern, but we will cross that bridge when we get there. Thank you for listening. If you want to support the podcast in any way, shape, or form, you can like or review it on any of the major distribution services, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can, you can go to my website, circleoffilm.com. Uh, all the posts there have all the episodes going back to the very beginning. There's also uh, a more detailed look of the spreadsheet, screenshots of it. And newly added is a new page where I'm going to keep a running tally of the superlatives that I give out to the scavenger hunt films at the end of every month. And it only has the films from November at this point but as each month passes as the awards are given out for those i i hope that that page will become a much better representation of my taste and the the history of the podcast in a way and lastly if you want to contact me the best way to do that is by email circleoffilm at gmail.com Please feel free to email me with anything and everything, uh, you know, film-related, podcast-related, me-related, whatever you'd like. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. Come on, babe, why don't we paint the town? And all that jazz. So long, farewell, I'll be the same Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.